Now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. DC and RC. Welcome to a brand new episode of DC. Coming to you Lafayette, Louisiana. It's DC and RC. Hailing from Aurora, Louisiana. It's fight night. Catch your right hook and your right eye. Change how you look. Daniel, come in. And Ryan Clark, the champs are here With battle scars, it's warfare Louisiana's in the air From Marrero to Lafayette To Los Angeles to Times Square Why well, could go one show without you going I'm a Super Bowl champ When the mic's on, it's showtime DC and RC, we winning Super Bowls and Emmys And Daniel got two belts around the belly Two division champ, I ran the UFC. Cause we asking all, all the tough questions. This guy's the worst, I see. I don't know how you can do a show with this. DC, you broke my heart. This is MMA, mixed martial all-stars. And we bought that grind and pound, so be on guard. And we going round for round, cause we want it all. But there can only be one in the octagon. DC and RC, DC and RC, DC and RC, ESPN, tune in to see. What's up, guys? Welcome back to DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my guy, Ryan Clark. RC, we had a week off, bro. Like, what is going on? Like, we don't get weeks off at the UFC. And you, the hardest working man in television, definitely get no time off. It was a week off for me, but you were still grinding with the NFL season and everything else. Man, how yeah. you been, my brother? Bro, I feel good. But first off, there was people checking me in my comments talking about where's DC and RC? Y'all get to take weeks off now? God, Lee, we give y'all 40-something shows <laughs> a year. Is it possible that we could take a Tuesday break? But DC, before we get into the show, man, I just want to say congratulations on being selected to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. You're one of the greatest to ever do it from our state, man. We love every way that you represent us, whether it was inside of the octagon or now in your media career, what you did as a collegiate wrestler, also wrestling as an Olympian, you are truly, truly one of the best representations of what it is to come out of our state, to make it big, but to always show love to your community, to your heritage, and to where you came from, bro. So congratulations again. It's a well-deserved honor. I appreciate you, my brother. Yeah, man, it's a... Uh... It's one of the biggest honors that I've ever had my entire life because you know where we're from, sports is everything, right? So yeah. to go into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, it means a lot to me, especially in a sport that isn't one of the big three. We have football, basketball, yeah. and baseball down in Louisiana. So to make a mark in wrestling and then mixed martial arts really does mean a lot to me. And to go in with, obviously, Drew Brees, uh, Simone Augustus, but also Kevin Jackson, who's my Olympic yeah. team coach, wrestled at LSU, and was a three-time world champion. It means a ton to me, RC. And RC, I'm going to tell you something that speaks to our relationship and how far we've come. They got my number to tell me from you. They called the boy RC. <laughs> hey, man, yeah. I need DC's number. You, we want you to give tell us that this dude is going into the Hall of Fame. And you were the first to yeah, know before man. my family, man. It speaks to where we've come in terms of our relationship, and I appreciate you, my brother. Man, no doubt, bro. It, it was God. just awesome to, to get that call, bro. It was awesome to get that call. My brother, appreciate you. Guys, coming up today, Ryan and I will matchmake some of the biggest stars on the UFC roster that don't have fights yet. But we also going to talk about all the big fights from last week. Announced. It was crazy. Yeah. And as always, we tap in or we tap out. But Ryan, like I said last week, 
there were so many fights announced. It was one of the biggest yeah. fight announcement weeks we have seen for a long time. And unfortunately, we were off. But RC, one of the ones that was really excited, we kind of saw it on the horizon. We just didn't know when it would happen, was Yuri Prohoshka fighting Alex Pereira. Now, Jamal Hill, and I think this is one thing that's a little bit uh, misunderstood. Jamal Hill is still the UFC champion right now. Mm. Until that bell rings, he is the champ. Yeah. But the moment that bell rings, a new champion will be crowned at light heavyweight. How excited are you for this fight as a fan? And then I got another question about how impressive Alex Pereira has been. If this yes. dude wins his second championship, he barely got here. But how excited are you about this yeah. fight? I mean, you're excited about it because Yuri Prohaska wins the belt, the belt over Glover Teixeira in what was an absolute war. He finds a way to submit... Um, Glover really late and then Glover now gets an opportunity to continue fighting Jamal Hill becomes the light heavyweight champion but he was just getting an opportunity to show us exactly who he was as a fighter there's obviously the vicious elbow that took out Dominique Reyes and for him to come back after going on darkness retreats after going through the samurai life and now <laughs> stepping back into the octagon against someone like Alex Pereira is really going to be a huge challenge for Yuri Prohaska and you mentioning what what Alex has accomplished already. A lot of people felt like he was on the fast track to a middleweight title bout against Israel Adesanya because of their history. And he was, but he had to win fights going into fighting Izzy. And if we remember correctly, he knocked out current middleweight champion Sean Strickland in a fight that wasn't competitive at Oh, the left hand lands early. He hits him with another right, and the bell is ringing because it's over. So now to see these two dudes fight, who are two true champions in the UFC, who neither of which has been a part of the organization for a very long time, is going to be one of the most exciting fights that we have on the card for the rest of 2023. You know, when I looked at that fight, first off, I'm so impressed with Prohoshka. You remember when he got hurt? It seemed like he would be gone for a really long time. He was very specific. Yeah. He was like, I'll be gone for 18 months. I don't think that it's been 18 months. He was he went right. He was supposed to fight Jamal Hill all the way back in the summer. He was saying he was ready. Obviously, Jamal Hill got hurt. The guy is an absolute savage of a fighter. And you saw it in the Glover to share performance. Like you said, he was able to submit him late, but it was in those moments that he was struggling, that you were as impressed with Yuri as you were when he's yeah. dominant. Because this guy is one of those athletes that really does give himself a chance. He has tremendous power. Mm -hmm. He has unbelievable striking. And as you said, RC, he really does live a samurai lifestyle. I interviewed this dude, and when I was talking to him, I'm looking at him like, this has to be one of the most different human beings I've ever met in my life, but I would never go so far as to underestimate his thinking because this guy has a fighter's mind. He's a guy that is always prepared and he has shown that he can become a champion in a very short period of time. But when I think about Alex Pereira, when I think about Poetan, I am so impressed with this man because RC, this dude has been in the UFC for a very short period of time. And they spoke Bro. about him getting the correct matchups to get to Izzy because of their history. Well, what about the fight against um, Jan, Bohovic, Jan Bohovic, a guy that we saw beat Izzy with his wrestling. That is not supposed to be a great style matchup for Alex, but he showed enough improvement to get a victory over the former champion, and now he finds himself on the verge of becoming the champion in two different weight class in a very short period of time. I don't know if there's a better matchup at light heavyweight right now for this championship. I get that Jamal Hill 
is the champion today. But if not for that draw, I don't know if he would have even had an opportunity to hold that belt. If it ain't Magomed Ankalaev, I believe that these two are the... There's a very short list of guys at light heavyweight. And these are two of the very best. Well, that's the thing, too, though. When you look at Jamal Hill getting an opportunity to fight Glover Teixeira for the title, it's all about opportunity. Yeah, at the time, we didn't look at Jamal Hill and say to ourselves, okay, this should be the guy fighting for the title. We thought that a Yuri Prochaska, a Glover Teixeira, a Jan Bohovitz, all of those guys were above him when it came to the pecking order of the light heavyweight division. But after the draw and now needing someone to fight in Yuri's stead, we had a great fight or we got to see a great fight between Jamal Hill and Glover Teixeira in which Glover Teixeira showed championship toughness, but Jamal Hill showed championship striking. And so I think that that is something that we have to note, something that we have to bring attention to. But now when you look at this fight, I don't believe there's a better matchup. I don't believe there are two names in the light heavyweight division that we'd be more excited to see on the marquee than these two people or these two fighters. And so that's what has you excited going into the fight along with their skill set and the stylistic matchup. But I have a question for you, DC. You know, we were getting close to the end of the year and we were waiting for a lot of these matchups to be made. And then once the matchups are made, we have to find fight cards to put them on. What is your thought about this fight being on the same card as the heavyweight championship between John Jones and Stipe Miocic? I just think that this is the perfect fight for it. Now, part of the reason is, though, RC, because Colby Covington and John Jones have a very, very bad history. So there was no way that those guys would be on the card together. So I think when they started to break down the fights and where they would fall, you wanted Edwards versus Covington, but you also wanted to make sure you made the Prohaska fight. You know that Covington and Jones cannot coexist on a fight card. Even though I believe that if you do put them on a fight card together, they would sell not only their own fights, they would sell a fight between each other. So it would make for a lot of eyeballs paying attention to the Madison Square Garden card. But I think this one just works right. It works perfect. It is the right weight class because now you got the two heaviest weights in the organization fighting on yeah. the same night. And that brings a little bit of something, right? Because you got the baddest man on the planet being determined. And if you really don't put too much thought into it, the light heavyweight champ can be the baddest man on the planet because yeah. John Jones, who was the light heavyweight champion, is now the heavyweight champion. I, who was the light heavyweight champion, became the heavyweight champion. Heavyweight so it's not so yep. unrealistic that one of these two could potentially be the best heavyweight fighter at some point in their career. And I think it's the right fight at the right time. And every single time we're in Madison Square Garden, the stars come out. I've seen Stephen A. at two of them. He loves going yeah. to that fight card because MSG and a heavyweight title fight or a title fight means something different. And I believe that one is really these two fights match what the venue will be. And I cannot wait to get to New York City. But if I'm being honest with you, RC, all the great fights, there's one that stands out to me the most. And that's Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. I believe yeah. that's the one that I am most excited about. Now, I don't know if that's because... I'm a fight nerd, and I'm a dude that lives this sport. But I love this right. one for the matchup, but I love this one for the opportunity. One, the opportunity for Leon Edwards to really does solidify himself as the greatest welterweight in the world because he beat the long-reigning champion of Kamaru Usman. If you put Kobe Covington, a guy that's long been considered 1A to Kamaru's 1, right behind that, 
No one will ever question Rocky anymore. And I also love that Kobe right. Covington gets another opportunity, RC. It's a great fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, you talked about John and Kobe selling uh, their fights on a fight card and a fight between the two of them. <laughs> I think Kobe Covington is a very tough man. That ain't some smoke he trying to just run up on. Like, let's be no, no, real. No. It, it, like, it would be a no. yeah. It would be a lot of talking from Kobe, but not smoke. He's really trying to inhale. But when you think about this fight, the only people <laughs> or the only person who's not happy about this fight is probably like Bilal Muhammad. Everybody else who pays oh, attention to the welterweight division understands how big of a fight this is. It is a proving ground for Leon Edwards because it was, okay, you get the, the headshot bang in Salt Lake City on Kamaru yeah. Usman to, get a, to, to solidify or get one of the greatest comebacks in title fight history. And then you go back home to London town and you absolutely dominate Kamaru Usman, showing that when you walk into the octagon with that strap, you do become a better fighter. And now you're fighting Kobe Covington, someone with a great fight IQ, a dude that understands how to sell fights, but not only does he sell fights, he sells out when he's <laughs> inside the octagon. He has no fear. He has high pain tolerance. His toughness is off the charts, and he's a great wrestler and grappler, which before Leon Edwards truly started to work on that part of his game, could have been thought of as his Achilles heel. And so I'm extremely excited to see this fight. I'm extremely excited to see how the styles match. And you know this better than anybody, DC. We saw this with, you know, Israel Adesanya and Sean Strickland, which this isn't that sort of kind of underdog David Goliath sort of fight. But Styles make those fights. And I can't wait to see how yeah. Leon adjusts to what Kobe does inside the octagon and vice versa. RC, you said, uh, this is funny. I, I kind of look at you because I want to see your reaction to this. But, um, you know, Leon said the headshot bang. Kobe Covington, the, the ever so gangster Kobe Covington said, they don't even have no guns in England. Kobe stays strong <laughs> in America. He said, so Leon Edwards need to sit down with all that headshot banging. The Kobe Covington is out of his mind, bro. He's constantly going at these dudes. And it's like yeah. he annoys them to the point that they want to kill him. But the reality is he's too yep. good. He's so good yep. inside the octagon that even if you want to beat him up bad, if you want to dominate him, it's very hard. I think... I said this a couple weeks ago, Ryan, when the fight got announced. I, I wanted to kind of give Kobe his flowers because you know those guys, RC, that when they come to the league, you watch them, and you might have a guy that's a 4-6, but he's playing a position that requires a 4-5, four, 4-4, four, four, yeah. but he just kind of makes yeah. it work. He, he's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. He's not the, the, the best athlete, but he makes it work for him, and he becomes special. That's Kobe Covington. Kobe Covington isn't the fastest guy. He isn't the strongest guy. But he's got great cardio. He has a strong belief in self. And tries. And by trying so hard, he's become one of the best welterweights of the last era. He's fought for the belt twice, been the interim champion, and now finds himself fighting for the belt a third time. But in Leon Edwards, we saw a guy that is improving at a rate that I don't even know he can do that. Because what we saw from fight two from fight one against Kamaru Usman was, was astounding. You know, we, we, we talk about cliches and how you get better once you're the champ and all these other things, and we made fun because Teddy Atlas is a genius. He's a wizard. He said that. But it's true with yeah. Leon Edwards. Every time he steps in the octagon, he's getting better. And I saw a video today. He's showing Ian Gary how to wrestle. And if he's showing Ian Gary how to wrestle, it's a guy in his weight class.
now so knowledgeable, he can share that knowledge to the next level of guy coming up. The dude is fantastic, man. And, and if you know anything about Leon Edwards, Kobe might say Leon Edwards isn't about that life. Call, you know Top Boy, the show from Netflix. Yeah. That's why Leon, yeah. that's where Leon Edwards from. <laughs> Say, bro, I was all around London, and ain't all them parts soft. So you can think that you're going to see castles and people walking around marching and, like, these proper blokes drinking tea, but that is not who Leon Edwards is, man. And that's what makes this mm -mm. fight exciting. You know, we've watched him stare into the eyes of the baddest men at 170 pounds, especially ever since his fight with Kamaru Usman in fight one, where he took an L. He's continued to get better from that point, and I think this is the ultimate test for him now in his career that he's surpassed Kamaru Usman as the welterweight champ. You have to fight a dude like Kobe, and I think that's the sort of quote-unquote street cred that changes a lot of people's perspective on Leon Edwards. Absolutely. Ryan, man, I, I think it's hard, right? Because we judge a guy based on the last performance, and obviously it's glowing about Leon Edwards, but then it's like the challenges continue to get stiffer, and that's the world of fighting. You just get harder and harder competition every single time you win or defend the championship. Here's, here's, the, here's the next one that got announced, and this one's a tricky one because – Tony Ferguson is fighting Patty Pimmel. Weird. You don't weird. know how to feel about that one, right? It, it's a weird one. But it's a weird one in a sense that if Tony can get the job done, then Tony could feel like he's back in the game. But we have seen him lose six fights in a row now, and now he's fighting this young up-and-coming guy. How does this one make you feel? Because on the surface, it looks as though... Tony Ferguson is getting fed to Patty Pimlet. On the surface, it looks like Tony Ferguson's name is going to be used to prop up this kid. But all great champions have one night left in them. Does Tony Ferguson have that night left, RC? Bro, the, the last time we saw Patty Pimlet, many people felt like he lost the fight. Many people felt like he was granted a win because he was the next up-and-coming personality, not necessarily fighter. And we know where Tony Ferguson is now in his career with six straight losses after having that amazing and phenomenal winning streak that really put the boogeyman on everyone's radar. He's continued to be knocked down and knocked out in every single or every subsequent appearance inside the octagon. This feels like a somebody-gotta-go-home fight. To me, right? Because if you're a Patty Pimblett and you're a guy that's trying to ascend in the UFC and you want to become the marquee name or the marquee fighter that your name seems to make people feel you are, you got to beat Tony Ferguson. And you have to not only beat Tony Ferguson, you got to beat Tony Ferguson down. You have to submit Tony Ferguson. You have to knock Tony Ferguson out because that's what the hell has been happening to him the last few times he's been in the octagon. But I'm going to say this. I have never, even in Tony Ferguson's worst, and we don't get an opportunity to see, we haven't gotten an opportunity to see Tony Ferguson in with bottom line UFC competition. He's still gotten, had opportunities to fight top five fighters or UFC legends in Diaz. He's a better fighter than Patty Pimblett to me. And so what happens if Tony Ferguson does win? Mm. If Tony Ferguson wins, bro, it doesn't put him back in championship contention. 
If Tony Ferguson wins, there are going to be people who are in the arena that says, I hope he takes his gloves off, lays them down, and he can go out on his shield or he can go out as the fighter we all remember him as with a win. And if he beats Patty Pimblett, Patty Pimblett now can't just go on to the next fight and we say he's the next dude up. You just got beat by a guy who's clearly on his way out. And so for the UFC, this one's actually mind-boggling, and it almost makes me feel like, Patty, we've been building you up. We've been trying to give you opportunities to become the man. In the last fight, you let us down. We're going to feed you Tony Ferguson. If you beat him, then good. We can say you beat the boogeyman and give you the next fight. If you lose to him, what, do, what in the hell do you do with him, DC? What's Patty Pimblett's next step if he loses to Tony Ferguson? And that's why this one is a head, a head scratcher to me. How does this make sense to you? You know, I feel I can see your points to a degree, right? I feel like it's a bit of an odd match up because if Tony manages to win this fight, where do you go with him? Two points. One. Tony Ferguson will not retire if he beats Patty Pimblett. While it might feel like a fairy tale ending, I don't know that he, will, he would do it. Not many fighters have the wherewithal to walk away yeah. when they win. Robbie Lawler was a very rare case where he said, you know what? That is about as good as it'll get. I'm done. I knocked out Nico Price in the first 30 seconds. I took no damage. I get my money. I'm going home. But in more instances, we see the athlete come back. And we see them get beat on until eventually they're shown the door. So Tony Ferguson won't retire. I mean, hell, Tony Ferguson said last fight, five more wins in a title. This guy has his eyes solely on becoming the champion again, no matter what the results may say for Tony Ferguson. But for Patty Pimblett, this is where you and I may be a little bit not aligned. I don't know that you have to give up on him if he loses. I just think that you don't hold him in such high regard and you have to kind of peel him back because you got to think before that last fight against Jared Gordon, he was talking about top 15 and he was ranked, I believe, because he was beating these guys so quickly. But I think if he loses, you really have to take a step back with him and then we have to stop holding him in the same air with guys like Sean O'Malley and some of these other guys that have that ability to draw people in. I'm cutting you off. And I know know all the UFC Mm -hmm. people are going to be like, why you cut off Daniel? He's two-division champ. But I have a (laughs) real question for you. I have a real question for you. This fight, this fight could be the start of Patty Pimblett's fall to Meatball Molly, bro. Tell me, tell, no, tell me I'm wrong. No, tell no, me I'm wrong. No, RC. No, RC. I, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know, RC. I don't know that Patty is as limited as Molly okay. McCann has okay. proven to be. I don't think he's that limited. I think that while Molly is a really good striker, her deficiency is in the wrestling. And that's when you can get dominated. If you're if, a good if, if grappler... Patty loses, if- and, if Patty loses to Tony Ferguson, though, DC, like I don't care about I don't care about his skill set. <laughs> I'm not talking about his skill set. Like Molly, like we found out Molly couldn't fight because she fought Aaron Blanchfield. A lot of people can't yep, fight yep, against, yep. against Aaron Blanchfield. 
If Patty Pimblett yes. loses to Tony Ferguson, no disrespect to Tony Ferguson, he was once a championship level fighter, a fight away mm -hmm. from being mm -hmm. the UFC. So, so I get all that. If Patty Pimblett loses to Tony Ferguson, how is the UFC going to convince us we need to show up to see him fight other people? It's not like you get to put him in there now with a top 10 guy. Yeah, well, but because it's not like boxing, RC, right? Like, so you could lose, and we have seen guys lose and continuously get fights and stay important, right? We've seen it happen with Nate Diaz. We've seen it happen with Cowboy Cerrone. We've seen it happen with many, many fighters over the course of the years. So while it may take longer for people to look at Patty Pimlet once again as a title threat, it will just be a slower type of tempo going in that direction. I really gotcha. do, though. After the fight with, with Jared Gordon, I think that it showed some holes. It showed that there are some things Patty Pimlet needs to be better at. I wonder if he's going to show a better form of himself whenever we see him the next time. And if he wins, then it's expected. If he loses, that's where the problems become. And that's the hardest yeah. thing to do. When you're expected to do something and you don't do it, that's a problem. So these guys in fighting have to be very careful with that. That's why the fight to me seems like it's a bit of a uh, a lose-lose situation because if Tony wins, the UFC loses a really young, marketable star from a, a place where people tap in. If Patty Pimblett wins RC, I believe the general public and all those people around the world who lo love Tony Ferguson and they all love their great champions go, why was Tony Ferguson served up to this guy in the first place? Tony Ferguson shouldn't mm. be fighting this dude. Tony Ferguson should be fighting veterans. Tony Ferguson should be fighting guys that are a little bit older. And I think that may force people to turn on Patty Pimblett also. Yeah, I don't know. The way that, that Patty has been going, it seems like he has fans. But after the Jared Gordon fight, there were, a, there were a ton of questions about the validity of his championship rise or the championship path. And so I think the Tony Ferguson fight can clear up a lot of those things for us. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting free Fridays. Well, what about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch at your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage Shopify is there to help you grow whether you're auctioning autograph apparel or selling sleek skis Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success 
every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash DCRC. All lowercase, go to shopify.com slash DCRC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DCRC. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We're going to look at some more fights that are on the card for UFC 296. And when you look at it, it's Leon Edwards, uh, Kobe Covington, Alejandro Pantoja, and Brandon Ravel, too, which would be a great fight. We watched Pantoja submit him in the second round in their first matchup. But Vicente Luque and N. Machado Gary is a fight I'm very interested in, D.C., and it seems that these two dudes are very interested in each other as well. Let's take a listen. For me, it's always been business. It's always been been about being the best in the world and, and enjoying this sport that we love so much. You want to be the best in the world. I want to be the best in the world. They've, they've matched us together. And you know what? Let's dance. Let's go out there. Let's put on a show and let's have some fun. I wish you the best. I wish you a great training camp. And yeah, I'm going to, I hope you honor me by giving me the hardest fight possible. And I'm going to honor you by giving you the hardest fight possible. And let's go out there and, and dance, like you said. Vincente, that couldn't be more perfectly put. We have a job to do, and we love what we do. Yeah, that's it. I wish you the best, brother. Take care. All blessings. A lot of blessings to you and to your family. Enjoy the camp. Enjoy training. And I will see you December 16th. Let's go have some fun. And no matter what, I owe you food afterwards because of, uh, yeah, that submission. So I still owe you dinner. 
Hey, man, this first is an off, exciting like, fight, what, DC. Go ahead. Hey, RC, first off, what are these dudes talking at? Like, why is it so dark? What are they? Why is it so dark? What are these dudes talking, man? RC, what are hey, they? Like, what are they talking? It's voice messaging, DC. It's voice messaging. Hey. They're not talking face-to-face. -face. You act like they was at a darkness retreat with Yuri Prohaska and Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't like that, no. They was talking on voice notes, and we could, we could hear the, the, the notes, bro. Hey, DC, though, but here's my question. These are two very good young fighters. Uh, Vicente Luque, who's been a part of the UFC for a longer period of time, than Ian Machado Gary, but we just watched him beat Rafael Dos Anjos in the fight he needed to win after having two consecutive losses. And then we saw Ian Gary against Neil Magny just dominate him and absolutely destroy his leg with low kicks. When you have two fighters who are very good fighters who truly respect the game of mixed martial arts, but they have this level of respect for one another, what is that like for a fighter in preparing to really go in there and do battle? First off, I'm sitting here thinking, like, it sounds like they're in a bunk bed. One dude on the top bunk, the other dude on the bottom bunk, and they just talking in the dark. I don't <laughs> like second, that sound. I don't like that sound. I don't second, like that. Like, you know when you like, you know when you have sleepover, like you and your bed sleeping, you're like, hey man, you up? <laughs> it's crazy. You answer the Who question. You're kidding, answer anyhow, the question. anyhow, anyhow, uh Ian Gary and Vicente Luque our teammates, right? They both were training down at Killcliffe, and now it seems as though Ian Gary is with Leon Edwards. But Ian Gary has always been a guy that said, I am a bit of a traveler. I'll go everywhere to fight. It does not really matter. I will go train. I want to do jujitsu. I'll spend two months in Brazil. I want to learn striking. I'll go do it with Adesanya and crew in Australia. So I don't think this is much of a change for Gary in terms of preparation. But for a long time, these two guys have been training together down in South Florida. I always heard that those guys down there, because there are so many people training there now, that they would be open to fighting each other. But ultimately, someone has to leave. It was the same thing when Kamaru Usman was getting ready to fight Gilbert Burns. Usman took his training camp to Colorado and stayed there. So the respect I understand because it seems as though these guys have spent a long time in the gym together training. But I feel like this is the perfect matchup because I feel like Vicente Luque is going to challenge Ian Gary in places that he hasn't been challenged before. And while Neil Magny is a longtime veteran, and he's littered across the record books in the UFC, he has no power, RC, so he can't yeah. really put you on your heels. He's a guy that right. has to overwhelm you with cardio. He never had a chance against Ian Gary, and Ian Gary showed why he never had a chance. Vicente Luque has a chance. Vicente Luque has power. Vicente Luque can fight in all places in the octagon. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He showed in the fight against Dos Anjos. He can wrestle defensively, offensively. He can do it all. And I think this is the logical next step for Ian Gary because if he can beat him, now he's in the top 10. And now we start looking down the line, RC, and going, hey, this Ian Gary, yeah. man, this dude's a future champion. And maybe that future is not as far down the road as we, have, we may have originally anticipated. 
Yeah, you know, when you look at the UFC now, it's a little bit different, DC. There were there were some times, or back in the day, it felt like you had to fight the best of the best of the best. You know, I just remember being such a light heavyweight division fan and having to watch, um, you know, Chuck Liddell, whether it's uh, Tito Ortiz, uh, Randy Couture, uh, Rampage Jackson, Rashard Evans. It felt like you had to go through this extremely difficult you know, gamut to get to the championship. It isn't like that anymore. If you are a, good, a very good fighter and you're popular enough and you fought the right people, you can get your opportunity. So I think this is a huge stepping stone for a guy like Ian Gary. And if you're the UFC, I believe this is an incredibly intelligent fight to make because you can learn so much about both fighters. But with all of these announcements, DC, there were still some names that we're waiting on to step back into the octagon. Some guys that have had some long Layoff. So what we're going to do is we're going to put on our matchmaker hat and we're going to talk about some of the biggest names who don't yet have fights. And I think it always starts here with me. And this is why I'm glad that Corporate Jake gave me the opportunity to bring up the first name. And that's Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor doesn't have oh, a yeah. fight scheduled right now. And everybody is sitting around waiting. So if I ask you to fill in the blanks on Conor McGregor will fight blank next who are you putting in that blank? Please, Conor McGregor. Please fight Michael Chandler, bro. Like, please don't do this to Mike. Don't take this fight from Mike, man. Mike has been waiting. Mike would be crushed. Waiting. He would be crushed. <laughs> Mike would be crushed, bro. Iron Mike has been waiting for this Conor McGregor payday. He said he's going to fight Conor McGregor in a fun way to knock him out. A fun fight for the fans. Conor McGregor will fight. Michael Chandler next, and Conor McGregor will fight Michael Chandler, RC. And this is where it gets a bit interesting. He'll fight him on UFC 300. Conor McGregor Ooh. will be back, and he will fight Michael Chandler. Bro, that, that would be crazy. The reason it's even better is it's the offseason for football, so your boy could be there. So please let that happen at UFC 300. Um, I think the other piece of it for, for me is I believe it's Michael Chandler as well. And I think a guy like Michael Chandler presents an interesting style for Connor that would make for an exciting fight. Nobody wants Connor to come back and fight some grappler or some wrestler that's not going to let him be who he is. That's not going to let him get in a striking and stylistic matchup that's exciting for the fans. So I believe this is what the UFC wants. I believe this is what the fight fans want along with Michael Chandler. And it should be what Connor McGregor wants as well. RC, Connor McGregor, and let's call him Conor McGregor next, right? The guy that's yep. next I like in that. the shoes of Conor like McGregor. That. Sean O'Malley, right? He's next up. Who do you think Sean O'Malley will fight next? I believe that Sean O'Malley will fight Chito Vera. And, you know, I know if you're Marab uh, Vili, however you pronounce it, I'm doing my best <laughs> Chael Sonnen, uh, Sonnen here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I actually watched uh, Marab's fight against um, Peter, Peter Jan the other night. It was so good. He was so aggressive, constantly going for takedowns. I don't think that's where the UFC wants to put Sean O'Malley right now at this moment. And there's such a storyline with Chito Vera. Sean O'Malley never really recognizing that he took that loss to Chito. Chito, you know, having to kind of 
fight his way back after losing um, a fight to Corey Sanhagen, in which Corey Sanhagen dominated him with wrestling, then coming out in his last fight and being very aggressive early, which Shito isn't always. Sean O'Malley called out his name for a reason. I think it's the fight that he wants from a stylistic self standpoint. I think it's a fight that Sean O'Malley believes that he could sell. And I also believe it's something that would be exciting for the fans. So in that blank, please insert Chito Vera for me. RC, I am going to agree with you on that one. And Marab, is, his name is Dewalish Vili. I just learned how to pronounce that myself about a year ago. So don't worry about it, my brother. Everybody struggles with saying Marab's <laughs> name the right way. Now, make no mistake about it. It should be Marab or Aljamain Sterling. Aljamain Sterling mm. should yeah. fight for the yeah. championship. He should get an opportunity to come back. Look, the odds were against him. He had fought... 13 weeks prior against Henry Cejudo. He had defended that belt a number of times in a very short period of time. He should get an opportunity. Marab should get an opportunity. But here's the problem. Their biggest gifts, the reasons we love them so much is why it's not going to happen. That fight that you saw against Piotr Jan and all those takedown attempts is why Marab's not going to get a title fight against Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley doesn't want to fight that type of fight. He doesn't need to fight that type of fight right now in his title ring. He'll fight him when he has to. It'll be Cheeto Vera because of the backstory. It'll be Cheeto Vera because of the fight style. It'll be Cheeto Vera because everybody loves Cheeto. Dog, it's the craziest thing in the world. Everybody loves Cheeto. From the fans to the, the, the UFC staff, everybody loves Cheeto. He's a California cool surfer boy, and we believe that that would make for a really good fight. So I think it'll be Cheeto Vera against Sean O'Malley. RC, another one. The great champion, Zhang Wei Li. Zhang Wei Li is one of the greatest fighters I have seen in a long time. And the last time we saw Zhang Weili, she fought and Amanda dominated. Lemos. I mean, her, mm -hmm. her title fight against Amanda Lemos was insane. And the way that Weili was able to just pick her apart, dominate her, control her, and just really make her look like she didn't belong was unbelievable. So when you think about the great champ, when you think about Weili, who do you think she fights next? I mean, you can look at uh, Jan. I know we, we talked about having an opportunity to uh, go to China and see that fight, and we thought that that fight would be, be amazing. Uh, you can also look at Suarez and think about somebody being in the top three. But to me, it has to be – I don't want to pronounce, mispronounce her name, so I've been trying to look it up so I can say it uh, correctly, <laughs> D.C. But I think, I think she has to go back and fight her fellow countrywoman and have an opportunity to give China really mm -hmm. one of the biggest fight nights that they could possibly have. Yeah, I think, I think her and uh, Yao Shanan is there you go. a very good fight. <laughs> There it is. Yeah, Yao Shanan. You said it before. You've said Yao Shanan on a number of occasions the right way. I would literally lean in every time you were about to say Shanan, and you would say it the right way. So I never got hey, the payoff. I got a lot of work going on, man. You got, got a lot of work, lot going, of work on. going on, my brother. For you to be able to pronounce all those football names to the, 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 the actors and everybody else, unbelievable. You do a tremendous job. But I think, I think that Wei Li is going to fight, I think she'll fight Yao Shanan. This is probably the trickiest one for me, RC, because of all the names you listed, right? You listed Tatiana Suarez. You listed Yao Shanan. She has so many different challengers uh, that you could put a few people in there. But I think that the, the first two 
are very apparent. It'll be Cheeto and it'll be Michael Chandler. But I think there's like two. It's either Tatiana or it's either Yao Shanan. But Tatiana has been away for so long, she's only had one performance since coming back from a really, really long layoff. So I guess I'll lean uh, towards Yao. You know, Amanda Nunes vacated her championship. She laid the gloves down. She's the greatest women's fighter of all time. But let's look at the UFC women's bantamweight rankings. We have uh, Juliana Pena, Raquel Pennington, Silva, Vieira. Who do you think should be the, the vacant championship matchup to, I guess you would think that Juliana Pena has to be a part of this fight, mm -hmm. but who would be her challenger, DC? I think it'll be Raquel Pennington because it looked like her and Myra Buena Silva were starting to build some 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 animosity and, and Buena Silva had beaten Holly Holm and beaten all these great fighters and she was doing it yeah. dominantly, but then she pops for she pops positive. So now she's yeah. out. So it's like I think yeah. by default, it'll be her and Raquel Pennington. But in reality, Raquel Pennington is very deserving of that championship opportunity and a longtime veteran of the sport. So, yeah, I think it'll be Juliana Pena versus Raquel Pennington. But I wish it was Aaron Blanchfield because Aaron Blanchfield yeah. was like, yo, I'll fight at 135. Give me an opportunity. I wish it was Aaron Blanchfield, but I think it'll be Pennington versus Pena for the championship. Well, you know what, DC? I do believe that it'll be Aaron Blanchfield, just for what you said. I understand who Raquel Pennington is, and when you're a longtime veteran, it feels like the UFC, as long as you're still fighting, you're still exciting, you're still viable, will put you in and give you these opportunities. But when you look at someone like Juliana Pena, the way that she could build the fight, what we saw her do against Amanda Nunes two, time, two times, and Aaron Blanchfield just showing us no matter who you place her in the octagon with, no matter what style that they have, that she could dominate. You know, to see her do some of the things that we've watched as her strike has grown I think she's showing us she's ready for the big time and even though it isn't her weight class it adds excitement to it for me it's almost like you have this new fresh fighter who was built her entire life to do this this is this isn't like she was doing mm -hmm. something else and then they were like hey you know we've watched you and we saw you take <laughs> this class you should try mixed martial arts right she was built basically in a lab to be this. And so I feel like for someone like her, going up a weight class doesn't necessarily change what she's gonna do when she gets inside the octagon, and that that sort of weight, especially in the women's division for her, wouldn't be insurmountable, and it would be exciting for the women's division to have that sort of new blood. Isn't it scary though, that Aaron Blanchfield, uh, some of these fighters, they're doing this from the very start. That's why her and Zhang Wei Li and all these, they're so yep. good. These women are learning to be mixed martial artists as children. So when they get to the UFC, they're just ready. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it'll be harder uh, for the men to actually follow that, that path. But boy, it makes MMA very, very scary. And DC, I'm happy I'm gonna say that this. I'm retired right now. You know what? I'm going to say this as well. Um, I love the way the women's divisions are moving, right? With the skill, with mm -hmm. the excitement of the fighters. But I compare it a lot to men's basketball and women's basketball. 
When you watch yep, yep, women yep. play basketball, there isn't the dunking and all those things, but the jump shot is perfect. The elbows are tight. The handle is perfect. The triple threat positions. Just understanding the basis and the skill of the sport is so important to the women's division, both like when you think of the basketball, but also when you think of fighting. And so we're starting to see more skilled fighters. We're starting to see fighters with such a much bigger bag in the women's division because they're starting with the foundational principles of the sports from very young ages. And I think it's making the women's division more and more exciting. Corporate Jake, you know what time it is, DC. Corporate Jake, you know what time it is. It's time to tap in and tap out. All right, guys, recently, Aljamain Sterling talked about how if he went up to featherweight, he would love to fight Max Holloway. So, DC, tap in or tap out on a potential Aljo Holloway matchup. I tap out. I tap out on that one, bro. I love Max. That's my brother. And Aljamain Sterling is my brother, too. I don't want to see them dudes fight, but I also don't want to see them dudes fight because Max is too big for Aljamain Sterling. Mm, if Ma if mm. Aljamain struggled with Sean O'Malley's size, he would be in mm. some real deep trouble with Max Holloway, man. Yeah, I, I tap out on that one. I don't think it's a great... It, it's not a great look for the Funk Master, RC. Yeah, I, I tap out on it, but here's what the Funk Master is doing. They kind of have him in limbo, right? You know you're not going to get an opportunity to get a rematch. And then if you're thinking about moving up, they're not going to put you in the octagon with Alexander Volkanovsky after losing to Sean O'Malley. So he's fiddling around in that division above him, trying to find a guy that he could fight. And you don't want to go with someone way down the list, because if you lose that fight, you lose all viability at that weight class. But picking Max Holloway is not the one. He's the number one contender, and there is no question about it. We can't call him 1B anymore after the third fight with Volk, but we all know who Max Holloway is. And anyone else that he steps into the octagon with in that division, he is giving them all the smoke that they want. And it's things that they just can't yeah. handle. And I believe Aljermaine Sterling would be in a very, very big hole from the start of that fight. Corporate Jake. Last week, Dana White told the media they have started to have conversations about expanding the UFC rankings to a top 20 for each division. RC, tap in or tap out on rankings expansion. I tap out. Why the hell we need more rankings? Is it just so we could put numbers by people's name? This ain't college football, right? Where there's 112 teams and we need to try to care about enough of them to where it matters. The reason that the top 10 is important, the reason that the top five is important, the reason that the top 15 is important is because it's elite. Because when you get into that category and they start to put that number in front of your name, it means that you have an opportunity to be up next. That when you fight, we should tune in. I don't give a dang who is 19 and 20. Let them fight their way into the top mm. 15, and then we'll pay attention to it. Well, for a long time, boxing has been a top 10, top 15. I think 15 is about as deep as you need to go in terms of ranking. So I tap out. There are 800 athletes on the UFC roster at this point or something like that, something crazy. But there is no reason to go more than 15. Why? Because I don't believe that every weight class has 20 athletes that are worthy yeah. of being ranked. I think when they work yeah. their way into the top 15, now they're ready to be looked at as one of the elite in the world. But there isn't 20. Uh, I mean, you even look at some of the rankings now. You'll see down around 15, 16. These are people yeah. that if they weren't in the rankings, you would not even miss them. So, yeah, I, I, I tap out. Corporate Jake. All right, guys. Canelo defeated Charlo this past weekend and looked as good as ever. 
It now has boxing fans wondering what should be next for Canelo. RC, tap in or tap out on a super fight between Canelo and Bud Crawford. I tap all the way out on this. Like, we're talking about Bud Crawford, who fights at, what was it, 140, uh, 146, Seven. I think, or whatever it was, 147 against Errol Spence in his last fight. And though he was phenomenal, we're talking about a Canelo Alvarez who's fought at 168, even moved up to take a fight. And so I think right now the size difference is too much. And I talked about this with DC before too. If you're going to move up and fight someone who is a weight class above and you're going to give up some of that size, you need to have much more skill than that person has. And Canelo Alvarez is one of the most skilled fighters in the entire world right now. And I think Bud Crawford needs to take some steps before getting into that type of fight with Canelo Alvarez. I can't believe they've given us everyone to tap out to because I'm tapping out again too because, bro, Charlo was too small and Charlo's a 54-pounder. Yeah. That dude went all the way yeah. up to 68 and he got beat. He was hitting Canelo with some clean shots and Canelo just eating it and walking him down. So, yes, yep. I love Bud Crawford. I love Canelo. But there is no reason for these two dudes to be fighting each other. The weight class is too different. And Canelo is still far too skilled to be fighting yep. that dude. And if Floyd Mayweather, the great Floyd Mayweather, would be fighting Canelo today, that would not even be a thing. Because Floyd would not yep. fight a mature and prime Canelo yep. at that heavy a weight class. Remember how much yep. weight he made Canelo come down to to fight him? Yeah, yep. that's, not a, yep. that's not a great fight. The only reason Canelo lost... Is because he fought Bivol at like 175. And even yeah. that and, was and, too and, much of a way different for him. Yeah, and, and Bivol and was so big at the time, he just continued to stalk him. And Canelo Alvarez, who mm -hmm. usually is the stalker, was put on his heels, and he just pounded on him and pounded on him and was able to outpoint him. So I agree with you, DC. The, the, there's a reason there's weight classes, bro. It's a yeah. reason I don't play yep. or I didn't play dang D-tackle. You know what I mean? It was going to be some yep. trouble. No, for sure. All right, guys, <laughs> maybe it'll both happen here. Tyson Fury recently signed the contract for a title unification bout versus Usyk, scheduled for two months after his fight versus Francis Ngannou. DC, tap in or tap out. This is disrespectful to Ngannou. Oh, I'm tapping in. It is the most disrespectful thing Tyson Fury could do. It is so disrespectful. Tyson Fury knows. It's kind of crazy, bro, because I hope Francis knocks his head off. I will, Francis. I like Tyson Fury. I watched his show on Netflix and fell in love with the dude. I was talking about him prior, and I was like, ah, I don't really know about Tyson. I like Tyson Fury so much now. I love his personality. I love his family. But it is the most disrespectful thing that you could do. He scheduled a fight two months later, essentially saying that he's going to be completely clean when he's done yes. with Francis and Gallo. Yeah. So he's going to beat Francis yeah. and go fight the number two heavyweight in the world right after. It's crazy. Hey, I, I agree with you totally. I tap all the way in that is disrespect. He's basically treating Francis Ngannou like it's a part of his camp. You know what I mean? Like it was one of the sparring matches that he was using to get ready for his next fight. This is total disrespect. He's basically saying, I'm going to come out of this fight unscathed, no healing, no downtime. I'll be ready to go two months later. All right, guys, a little feel-good moment to end the show. Champ Sean O'Malley and his coach visited a group of people living mm. with disabilities and spent time dancing. How about Sugar Show yeah, showing, showing the softer side of himself, RC? No, I thought this was amazing. You know, Sean O'Malley is a father. Sean O'Malley is starting to show the world that he gets it. I think sometimes you can get the, the colorful hair and uh, the bravado confused, but when you become a Sean O'Malley, when your name 
carries that sort of weight and you show the heart, you show the spirit for those who are dealing with things that we could never imagine. And you bring a smile to those kids face or to those people's faces, man. I have so much respect for both Sean O'Malley and his coach for taking time out of their schedule to show people that they really matter. Sean O'Malley was a poor kid from Montana. A couple weeks ago, I saw him go to Montana State and celebrate with their football team when they got a big win. Yeah. And then I see him doing this. It tells me that he's aware. He's aware of what he needs to be doing to be carrying himself as a champion. Now, you can affect people whenever you are in this position in the world, but you affect the right people, and now you're doing things right. And that's what I feel about Sean O'Malley. Him being with these people, that gives them a, a, a feeling of hope that they don't yeah, get man. very often in their lives. To be elbow yeah. to elbow with a person that's that accomplished means a ton to people like that. So hats off to the Sugar Show, RC. They're impressive. No, nah, absolutely, man. It shows, it shows that he gets it. And when you rise to those heights and you get an opportunity to give back, it's always amazing to see it. DC, this was a great show, bro. And I missed you. I really awesome. missed you I last miss you, week, bro. man. <laughs> I know. Hey, I miss it you, was RC. fun, bro. I know, like, you know, I've been messing with you all the time. On... I'll be having you out here. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, my congratulations brother. on the Louisiana Hall of Fame, bro. That is such a huge accomplishment. We know all of the great athletes that have come from our state, and you are amongst the greatest, and it's awesome for you to be recognized as so. I appreciate it, my brother. I know I'll be having you on TV not doing like you do on TV. I'll be getting the real Ryan Clark out here on television. Guys, get us every Tuesday wherever you get your podcast. YouTube, ESPN Plus, and now Midnight Eastern on ESPN2. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my partner, Ryan Clark. We'll catch you guys on the next one.